sitting here looking around for the lighter and it's in my hand. Did you um, say it's in your hand? Yeah. This is the Chillinoy Podcast. There's two ways to look at it, really, either. You go to school to learn or you go to school to sell drugs, and Ricky's here to sell drugs. Think about selling drugs. Fuck school, all right? This podcast was recorded on June 5th, around 9 p.m., and we are already high as fuck. <laughs> it's been a long day. Yeah. We're about to actually have a really exciting guest on. Who are we about to have? Who are we about to bring on, Justine? We're about to bring on Mr. Mark Wasserman, also known as one half of the Pop Brothers at Law. Boom. That's a big name. I love yeah. it. Well, um, hopefully we're not too high to get through this. I want to talk to him for quite a while, but um, let's <clears throat> we are going to be transitioning to Skype, so the quality is going to drop. But the cool thing about that is, is we're going to be posting this interview on our YouTube channel. So if you're listening to this right now, we've already posted it. Um, so go check it out on our YouTube channel. Just go to chillinoynet slash podcast, and it should be up on our YouTube channel by the time the audio hits uh, the airwaves as well. So... Um, I think what you meant to say was chillinoy.net slash YouTube. Ah, chillinoy.net slash YouTube. Thank you. Um, God damn, I am a little bit too high. So uh, <laughs> another another thing I wanted to announce really quick before we get Mark on the call is um, we're going to be having a virtual smoke session this Friday. Uh, that's the third to kick off the holiday weekend. It's going to start at 7 p.m. in our Discord. If you'd like to figure out how to get on our Discord, just go to our Reddit, and um, you'll find a link there somewhere. And if you can't find the link, I mean, it's there's a sticky link, so you're going to be able to find it. But if you can't, just ask for an invite link on our Reddit, and, and we'll get you one. Um, everybody's welcome, and it's going to be fun. Um, Justine and I are going to be there, so yep. join us. Um, another announcement that I'd like to give is that we're going to be celebrating the 710 holiday. Um, we're going to actually be having a giveaway with a cannabis cultivator. Another detail, so you guys may already be aware of that. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, I'd like to give you another detail. We're also going to be having an AMA with um, staff off of that, the off of the cannabis cultivation team, let's just say it's off. It's going to be off their lab extraction team. Actually, I'll give you that detail because it's about you know it's about oil day, seven ten, dab day, national dab day. If you didn't know, so um, we're going to be having uh, some of their lab extraction team on. They're going to come on, ask your questions, and that'll be another opportunity to w- win something. So um, multiple opportunities to win. But uh, let's get right into the main uh, part of our show, Justine. Um, Tell us about the Pop Brothers at Law. Yeah, so the Wasserman Brothers offer consulting and representation services in California, as well as tips and advice to anyone in need. You can find the Pop Brothers at Law at potbrothersatlaw.com. You can also find them on Instagram at pot underscore brothers underscore at underscore law, where they've got over 458,000 followers. So why the hell they agreed to talk to us, we don't know, but we are so lucky. So without further ado, Mark, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's quite a pleasure. Uh, You know, we were supposed to be in Chicago 
I don't know, I think it was last month or whatever it was for Canacon. Oh, nice. We actually, if you're familiar with Canacon, uh, we actually signed a three-tour deal with them to go to Oklahoma, Boston, and Chicago, uh, you know, at the end of last year. And, you know, it's all been pushed back and stuff. And I've never been to Chicago, although uh, I have relatives uh, in Chicago and from Chicago. And uh, it's just a pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, looking forward to you to uh, looking forward to you coming into town. We'll show you uh, we'll show you what it's like when you come into town. You know, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, so feel free to plug any other stuff you got going on. You said you were streaming on Twitch right now. Yeah. So okay, <laughs> what we got going on? We got a lot going on. So oh, yeah. we recently started on streaming on Twitch. We we learned about it and. Um, just saw it as a, a better platform to go live because when you go live on Facebook, Twitter, or, or Instagram, and those other, and even TikTok has live, you, those, those platforms, for whatever reason, I don't understand it, algorithms, shadow banning, whatever, it's, you know, you, we have, four, like you said, 458,000 followers on Instagram. And somebody, we had somebody do an analytical daily on it, and we only have like 0.03% bots. So it's all organic and, and, and real. But yet, when we go live, maybe 40, 50 people, you know, 200 if I'm like, I'm going to be live, you know. Like every Friday, we do the script challenge, and that kind of has built up and people, more people are coming. But when we just go live, it doesn't translate. And sure. so going on Twitch, we found, you know, you get followers there and we go on, they're notified, we're good. And so we're just, we make the switch to Twitch is what we've been telling all of our social media followers to do to catch our live shows. We're still use, utilizing those other platforms for the videos and things like that and going live as well for different things. But this just seemed like a, um, a good progression from like, from everywhere we started. So we've got live Twitch uh, TV at Pop Brothers at Law going. Almost every day we do some type of show every day. Uh, we're going to come up with some kind of schedule. But, you know, Shut the Fuck Up Friday is the Shut the Fuck Up Friday show. Mm -hmm. You know, Sunday Sesh I was doing now, Token Q&A. Uh, done, we've done four or five interviews uh, on some different shows in the past couple of weeks. So that's that's going. Uh, and then, uh, of course, we have Cannabis Talk 101, the t uh, talk show that we've now been doing for four years. Yeah. Uh, started on FM radio and at the end of last year, partnered up with iHeartMedia to bring it to the podcast, uh, which we launched on 4-20-2020. And so that drops every Tuesday and Thursday. In fact, we're interviewing uh, Matt Barnes tomorrow Ooh. he uh got back to me today and we scheduled that so we're interviewing him and we'll probably interview him on our shut the fuck up show as well uh we kind of you know cross all that over so cannabis talk 101 on iHeartRadio, apple podcast wherever you get your podcast go check that out and then as you said the pop brothers at law on instagram we're, we have like, we're we're all over social media uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok, all of it. We have a presence uh, everywhere. And so we feel it's important the more people we can reach on all these different platforms with, you know, our basic messages and 
destigmatizing cannabis and its use, uh, the better off we are. And uh, I, unfortunately, as the younger brother of the two of us, uh, get to run the entire social media <laughs> ring. So I don't even well, know how I. <laughs> I have to say that I love that you guys destigmatize cannabis because growing up, uh, I was basically told that, you know, everybody that smoked cannabis doesn't go anywhere. And you were some of the first people that I saw with a suit and tie on formally talking about your rights, very informed, you know. And so I really appreciate the uh, job you guys do in that regard or with regard to destigmatizing cannabis and cannabis use. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, and you're talking about Canacon. You guys are the only attorneys that I've ever seen that go to all the cannabis festivals when we had those, of course. Um, now I'm seeing you on the, all the cannabis shows and podcasts. As you mentioned, you've got your Instagram uh, script challenge live every Friday. You actually brought me onto that and nearly gave me a heart attack because you were like, we're not coming onto your show if you don't pass this. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, the pressure's on. And, uh, you did <laughs> Hell yeah, I did. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting those uh, shut the fuck up sticks and uh, blowing down those. So I'm really excited for that. Um, you know, you're streaming on Twitch. I know you, Mark, your balls deep into a P90X workout routine. And I say balls deep because, Mark, you got to work on that camera angle. I mean, hey, maybe, maybe you know, from my perspective, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so... But what I will say is that you're jacked, so. Never even occurred to me. I just. <laughs> you're just pumping away. Although there have been some comments, I guess. I've, I've seen comments, but. I was going to say, maybe some people, maybe some of your fans like that. So maybe, maybe just disregard my criticism. I'll, no, no, it's a good, I, it's, uh, you know, you're not the first. I'm just messing with you, honestly. No, no, it's, it's, it's true. But the, the problem is where I do everything it's going to take me, it's going to take effort and sure. time to reposition it. And I don't have that kind of effort. Hey man, I get it. You're just doing, you're doing the P90X routine for uh, quarantine and all that. I get it. So, um, but anyway, you guys are, you guys are some really busy motherfuckers. I think in uh, the quarantine and, you know, coronavirus, it's really, I've seen you guys everywhere, uh, you know, so um, starting to make sense why you guys smoke so much cannabis. <laughs> I got to get through the day. I mean, you know, for me, it's how I live. I, I you know, I, I, I can't live with, I wouldn't live right I, without it. You know, I mean, I can, I have, and that's the great thing about cannabis. You know, we go on vacation, my wife and we, kid, we go on vacation and I can't bring it with, you know, and if I'm going somewhere where to, to, I'm not going to be able to get it, I, you know, I'm not like tweaking out. It's just nothing. It's like nothing happened. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like, okay, I'm not going to have it for a week and oh well, and that's life. You know, it, it's, it's, you don't have withdrawals. You don't, you don't go through that shit. And that, and it's so important for people to, the people who don't understand that, you know, that type of education uh, and information that needs to, to get out there. Cause people say, oh, I get, how do you smoke so much? Oh my, <laughs> you know, and I mean, that's just who I am for me. It works for me. And that's, you know, well, I don't drink anymore. I'm a very open about that. I've talked about my alcoholism and, and I, you know, th this is it. This is, a, you know, my, this is a, a, a vodka bottle crystal head that I had made into a bong. Nice. The last, the last bottle I drank out of uh, about a year and two months ago. So. Congrats, man. 
and oddly enough, and I bring that up as we're talking about withdrawals and stuff, um, I didn't have withdrawals from alcohol, and my doctor was actually amazed because of how much I used to drink, and they were worried that I was going to go through some kind, but I didn't, you know, and I don't know why. I just, my body's the way it is. And so when somebody is using cannabis for the first time or deciding to or what, to, you got to, because the research hasn't been allowed, you know, for all this time, there, you can't, it's not like, uh, you know, like a Tylenol, you know, you, you, on the bottle, it says, if you weigh this much, if this is a take two, you know, and, you know what I mean? So for cannabis right now, and as it's always been, it's kind of self-exploratory. You got to figure it out for yourself, yeah. what works for you, you know? And so, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that I like to convey about my use, you know, cause I certainly, I don't want anybody out there. Oh, well, I got to smoke as much as him, you know? And it's like, <laughs> I, you know, it's, I'm not trying to be cool. I'm not, I'm just, that's just me. And, and so when people ask me, how much do you smoke? I don't know. Right. I don't keep track. Right. And I, and when I get asked, how much do I smoke a day? And I, my answer is as much as I can. And when <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, well, and when, when you, when you think about, you know, I spent most of my morning in the house with my wife and kids, I'm not smoking in there. Now, I might be eating an edible or something also or whatever, but I'm not, you know, I'm out whenever, you know, and when I'm working or I'm in court or whatever, but whenever I'm able to, like this, I'm sitting here doing my work in the garage where I can smoke, I'll smoke. If I'm at my office inside where I can't or I'm just too busy or I'm just, too, you know, it's funny. I've been doing the live streams on Twitch and I openly smoke and people are smoking on the other side and, and I'm answering questions, talking, and then I'm looking at comments. Someone goes, hey, Mark, your joint went out, you know, take a hit. <laughs> and I'm, oh yeah, you know, I will. So, you know, it's just, it's like that for me and everybody's different. Everybody's yeah. different. Yeah. And that's uh, something that you and I have in common is that I actually quit drinking five and a half years ago with the help of cannabis. So how to you? Yeah. Um, so let's let's dig into your legal background. Tell us some uh, kind of what kinds of law you started practicing. I mean, obviously, we know that you do some criminal defense uh, in the cannabis world, but tell us some more. Sure, sure. Um, so I became an attorney in 1996. That's when I was sworn in. And I actually I went to law school to make money to finance plays and films I was writing. And, uh, and that's, I, early on uh, in my childhood, I was, I started acting. I started going musical theater and workshops and, you know, my parents kind of put me into that, uh, not put me into that, um, saw that I didn't mind being the center of attention. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, and I did the things that people like me do and their kids and, you know, whatever. So, so uh, that was really my passion. And, and as I got older and started writing and wanting to produce my own work, I wanted got to make money to do that. Because I didn't want to go raise money and have somebody else have a say in what I wanted to do. You know, and so I looked at my oldest brother 
which there's three of us. A lot of people don't, most people don't know that we do have an older brother who's a doctor. And that third brother must feel cheated out or something. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you're watching CNN, MSNBC, and all the news outlets lately, <laughs> you're seeing Dr. Michael Wasserman talk oh. about all this COVID shit and how it affects elderly people because he's a geriatrician and he actually, he actually runs a, uh, runs a bunch of elder care facilities in California. I think he's responsible for like 4,500 patient, uh, elderly people or something like that. Wow. So and, I take that back. Your brother wants a fucking break probably. Yeah. <laughs> well, and in comparison to what's happening in all these other elderly homes, I think he's he's only had like five or six deaths out of five hundred, uh, you know, people that 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 are under his care. Um, but I was not going to go to school that long to become a doctor. <laughs> it wasn't the whole point. Of that. I was like, I hated school. I barely got through school. I was not a good student until I got to law school and was scared out of my mind and finally studied and read for probably the first time in my life um, because I felt, hey, my other brother, he's an attorney, and if he could do it, fuck, I could do it. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that, that was, that was, you know, and then when I, when I came out in 1996, that's when Prop 215 in California was passed, giving cannabis patients their rights to grow, consume, possess, and all that stuff. So I really didn't know which direction I was going to go because while I was waiting for bar results, I was looking for a job, but I couldn't get one because I wasn't an attorney yet or they had a, uh, a clerk position and they didn't want to hire me as a clerk because when I became an attorney, they didn't need an attorney. Yeah. So they didn't just when, so it was like a catch 22. I couldn't, you know, whatever. So, so I, I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? And then I went, when I studied for the bar, I studied from 6 AM to 6 PM every day at a Starbucks in Cerritos where, where I was living with my parents. That's where I grew up in Cerritos, California. And, and then from 6 p.m. to midnight, I would go across the street to the TGI Fridays and get drunk uh, and then wake up and do it all again, 6 a.m. That was my process. And so I went back to the Starbucks. Uh, actually, I went back to sit and write a screenplay about my experiences studying for the bar and going through that process and all that stuff. And when I walked, when I sat down, somebody came up to me and said, Hey, are you an attorney yet? And because going to a coffee shop every day for four months, you're going to get to know a lot of people who, right. I mean, so that was kind of a cool experience. And I said, yeah, I just, I just became an attorney two days ago. And the, the person said, my cousin just got a DUI. Can, can you help? And I said, yeah, have him call me. I don't know how I, that's just what came out of my mouth. Right. <laughs> so I immediately called my big brother who now he'd been an attorney for 10 years now. And I said, Hey, I just, I might get a client. I, what do I do? I don't, I don't know what I just did. I just, you know, it's a DUI case and my brother didn't do criminal defense. 
And so he said, you know, call Robert, who is a good friend of his who'd been doing criminal defense for like 25 years. So I call this guy, Robert, and I say, hey, I got a, a DUI case. I, you know, what do I do? How much do I charge? It was the first thing I asked. How much do I charge? And, and he goes, well, I charge, this is 1996. I charge 750 bucks to represent uh, a client up through the pretrial stages. So what I'll do for you is you charge them 750, we'll split it and I'll go to court with you. I'll show, you know, I'll show you the ropes. And I said, okay, cool. So, and then I said, well, I, after talking to a, a couple other criminal defense attorneys I, that were charging like a thousand dollars, I asked him, I go, how come, how come you're not, you know, charging more? And he'd been practicing for like 20 years. And he just was like a timid kind of guy when it came to that. He was a very smart attorney, very sharp. But when it came to like public relations, talking to clients, he didn't, he felt bad or what I didn't, you know, whatever it was. I said, oh, okay. You know, well, okay. So I go, I go, I get the phone call from this person and they said, didn't you just become an attorney like three days ago? I said, yes. And he said, well, I, you haven't even been to court. I said, well, correct. He said, well, how the <laughs> fuck are you going to help me? What are you, what are you doing? And I go, no, look, you know, I, yes, I just became an attorney. I haven't been to court, but my brother's been an attorney for 10 years and he has a lot of friends. I've hooked up with a criminal defense attorney, been doing it 20 years. He's a pro. Okay. And he charges three, four, five grand, but he's going to do it for 1500 for you. And so you're going to get two attorneys for the price of one. And that was my little, and then, uh, boom, we got the client. I came back and said, hey, I charged him 1500 instead of 750 And I, I went to give him half, and he was like, no, I just, I just want half the 750 like I told you. And I tried real hard, and he was like, no, Mark, I think it's, you know, he, I said, okay, cool. So that was how I got my first case, which was criminal defense. And then the criminal defense cases that started coming were the Prop 215 people who were getting busted because it was still a crime. But if you were doing things in accordance with Prop 215, you could get the case dismissed. So those cases started coming. And so I just started. And then somebody, oh, somebody, call, I again, at the coffee shop. Hey, can you review a contract? Yeah, hell yeah. And then I call my brother. Hey, I need a contract review. Who do I call? And so basically any, I did everything in the beginning. You had any, whether it was family law or a car accident or you needed a trust or a contract, whatever, workers' compensation, my brother. I had another attorney, an experienced attorney who I would split the fee with. And they loved me because I got clients. You know, I got people, I was, I was just part, and part of the, you know, <laughs> my alcoholism had me at bars where I'm passing out cars and, and it, you know, doesn't take long to figure out when you're in bars, who's hanging out there. People who need attorneys at some point, either they're going to get a DUI or they're in there because something happened and they're getting a divorce or something. It's just insane. And so I was such a bar fly that all the, I mean, covering LA and Orange County, my stacks of my cards were in bars everywhere. And the bartenders had them. 
and we're giving them out for me. So that's kind of how I built. And, and it was like, and I did everything because whatever it was, it had another train. So I'd say I did that for about five years and then I didn't need help anymore. And I probably, probably kept a couple of the attorneys I really liked just because I liked them. And like they were getting, they were making money. You know, I was making, I was making people money. So, but then eventually it was like, I don't need any, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good by myself. I got my own practice and I whittled it down to personal injury, family law and criminal defense. And that, well, actually I did, I did criminal defense and personal injury. I had a partner for a few years, God rest his soul. He passed away. And when he passed away, he did family law and he left me with a fucking, God rest his soul. He left me with a mess of family <laughs> law stuff that um, the only reason I kept doing it, even though I hated it, it was the money. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I was probably one of the only family law attorneys who tried to talk their clients into not giving me so much money and settling because the stupid, it's just the dumbest fight yeah. over yeah. just, so I did that for quite some time. And then, um, in 2015, when the pop brothers at law, <laughs> the joke of the name pop brothers at law, uh, became an Instagram account, everything kind of changed. And, uh, and, and so, and, you know, and that's, that's a whole, I guess, whole other thing we can kind of get into when we talk about the progression of our social media stuff. But going back to um, why I really concentrated on the Prop 215 patients, uh, once I started doing that, well, obviously being a cannabis user and a Prop 215 cardholder myself back then, uh, it was... Uh, very close to me and, and very frustrating that people who now there were plenty of people who were misusing it, of sure. course. And that's a, you know, that's, Hey, I'm going to try to keep you out, keep you in jail as little as for as little as possible, little time as possible Yeah. versus, you know, the guy who's growing 50 plants in his backyard for himself that after that yield and he breaks it down to the rubs and the this and everything he needs, it's going to last him six months. You know, those are, you know, those are the fights that really needed to happen. And, you know, I was, I was uh, glad that I was able to do that. And then when the problem of the business of cannabis became so prevalent because Prop 215 didn't have a business component to yeah. buy and sell and you know you could be a caregiver mm -hmm. but you had to be a caregiver like you couldn't yeah. people were calling them caregivers because they were growing pot and giving it to people right right most but, people don't know actually that the stores weren't there off the bat right right and and, and people who would get they come in you get busted with felonies and they come into the office and go well yeah but i have my caregivers certificate i say oh Oh, that's good. So you gave this person cannabis. That's one thing you did. Now, did you give them a bath? No. Oh, <laughs> did you get them their food? No, no, no. Did you take them to the grocery? No. Did you wipe their ass? Did you, 
what else did you do to give care because you're going to jail <laughs> because this defense yeah. ain't got and the problem was there were too many cannabis attorneys out there who just gave people horrible bad advice and and didn't know it and and, and people just thought just like today it's that's still happening today that one sec my wife is uh pulling out of the garage and just starting oh no worries <laughs> love you babe <laughs> <laughs> oh shit she hates the smell <laughs> I forgot the spray. Hey, what, what spray are you using? I'll just give you a chance to plug that. Of course. Spray 420. Nice. These guys, Spray 420, little side story. So we, 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 Pop Brothers at Law Instagram started in 2015. And I think these guys started in 2015 as well. And, or, or somewhere that or thereabout. And they sent us some spray. And we started getting people were sending us stuff, right? Yeah. And that still happens. They're like, oh, you know, can you can you post it and this? And we're like, for the most part, no. You know, we're attorneys. We're giving legal information. We're not selling shit. You know, we're not posting stuff. But when they this spray came to us, and we're talking about smell and probable cause and yep. keep the car smelling fresh, well, fuck, we're gonna use this. And so we have a great relationship. They send us cases of it. And, you know, we just, over the years, we just, we love it. We promote it. We use it. And um, we've kind of seen them grow as we've grown. And they're one of the sponsors of uh, the script challenge. And yeah, they just, you know, we'll periodically every several months or whatever it is, we'll get cases of it. And, you know, we give it out and uh, it's good shit. It's very good stuff. Yeah, so I'll say again, tune in to the uh, script challenge every Friday because, guys, you have a chance to win some of this stuff. Um, if I can do it, you can do it. Uh, yep, on Instagram Live, that's right. So, uh, And we'll just say that uh, handle real quick, um, and then we'll give you your next question. Um, the handle for their Instagram Live is at pot underscore brothers underscore at underscore law. Yep. We gotta get those underscores. So you know, we'll, get we'll get to that. We'll get to that and my brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Um, so, Mark, you were born and raised in California. Um, so, how long did it take you in your life before you started consuming cannabis? Well, so when I was uh, 13 or 14, I was snooping around my brother's room. <laughs> And I found a wooden box. I don't know if I was looking for money. I don't know what I was looking for, but I saw, I found uh, some green leafy plant stuff. I don't know what it was. And a uh, plastic tube. And as I was looking at it, my brother... Oh, uh-oh. Sorry about that. I just touched my phone. <laughs> You're okay. And your video just shut off. That's all. Yeah, I know. Okay, wait. Am I back? Wait, what do I do? Video. Okay. Still a novice. There. No, you're okay. All right. it, it kept recording and everything, so it's all, all good. Right. Okay. So uh, my my uh, parents and my brother opened the door and walked into the room. Oh, shit. Right when I'm looking at everything. 
what are you doing? You want to try that? You know, that's that's cannabis. I don't know, you know. And my parents were always, you know, if you want to try drugs or anything, please talk to us. And if you want to do it that bad, you know, do it here. You want to drink, you know, yeah. do it, do it here. You know, don't do it. But if you're gonna do it, it's, you know, that was kind of that was our household. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so my mom and dad go, okay, well, here, <clears throat> why don't you try it with your brother? Okay. So, uh, so they took out the bubble maker. They called it a bubble maker. They called it a <laughs> bubble maker. <laughs> and uh, hit it up. I took a hit. And but I really, it's not, I don't really remember much of other than taking a hit and like, huh. I think what I, what I actually remember was I'm glad they didn't realize I was just trying to steal some of his money. <laughs> which I never found. Yeah, what a payoff. Yeah. And so that was that. And then I think I was 19. I was going to UC Irvine. I was at a party. And I took a couple hits of a joint. Again, nothing, you know, nothing revolutionary. No, nothing, you know, like, what? Anything like that. That I remember then, fast forward to I get to law school, that's when I really started using and feeling like I like I needed this to fucking get me through all this stress and the rigors of, of what I was doing to study and, and stay focused and all that. That's when I started heavily, heavily using. And that would be, you know, like, I don't know how it was, like 24, 25, something like that. 23, 24, 25. Um, And before that, as I was going through my teens and early 20s, living in, you know, or working as an actor and other odd jobs, as I was building that career and doing that, um, I I did every, you know, I did everything at some point or another. I've I've done all sorts of... uh, drugs at some point or another and uh, Mark, have you done dmt i've done everything my friend <laughs> i i was a, i was a bachelor until i was 35 <laughs> okay so i and i and, and and friends have called me the quintessential bachelor you know i had I had a bachelor pad that had a jacuzzi and video games and you know we had a fully stocked bar. We, me and my buddy who lived together, Dave, we know each other since we're eight years old. We had parties. We had epic parties that I, one of the things I prided myself on at my parties was everybody drank. Everybody drank at least a little bit because when you go to parties, there's always somebody, a few people. Well, I only drink this. And mm-hmm. if you don't have that, because they come intending not to drink. Right. It's fine. I don't force anybody. But because if somebody says, I, I don't drink, that's then you don't drink. That's sure. okay. Or I, I don't want to. But, oh, well, you don't have this. Otherwise, I would. <laughs> well, here it is. I had everything. <laughs> somebody once came in and said, well, I only drink Uzo. You know what Uzo is? I've never even heard of it. It's a, it's it's a Greek liqueur, and I had it. So I had every fucking thing they possibly. So everybody drank at at our parties. So I mean, I I, I uh, you know just 
that type of mentality, as I think about it, spills over into what we're doing, doing, because we just want to feed everybody what they need, you know, and, and that's the knowledge, you know, to kind of circle that all back around. Um, so how did you guys become, I mean, we kind of talked about your legal background, how you got started as an attorney and, um, working with Craig and everything, but how did you become the pot brothers at law? All right. So about probably about eight or nine years ago, um, me and my, so, so to understand the dynamics of how me and my brother work together or don't work together rather <laughs> or um, as I mentioned I had I had a partner at one point it was lofts as a Wasserman and Mejia uh, and then he passed away and lofts is of Mark Wasserman my brother was lofts as Craig Wasserman my brother had a big office space I had office within his office so we're in the same big suite he has his practice. I have mine. And he, do, he did uh, uh, general business counseling and corporate counseling and contracts and business licensing and permitting and that and uh, workers' compensation uh, employee rights. Uh, and that's what he did. And I did everything that I had explained that I do. And we, he did personal injury also. So sometimes we took cases together we would work on. But that was it. We had our own separate offices. Then, and we would always go out to the parking lot where we do our tip of the days now. But we would go out there and smoke. We were smoking and we would just go out and talk and smoke, take our breaks. And so about eight, nine years ago, I had a lot of cannabis cases, a lot of the Prop 215 cases and uh, businesses were being made into cooperatives and collectives. All those things were happening. And we were just, you know, I was, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're brothers. We're attorneys at law. We talk about pop brothers. It just kind of pop brothers at law. It's kind of a joke. Yeah. I'm going to make cards that say pop brothers at law. And I'm going to give them to my pot clients because I think it's funny. <laughs> yeah. And they did. They thought it was funny. And so now we fast forward to... The afternoon of January 22nd, 2015, me and my brother were in our office, normal day. My nephew, my brother's son, comes in. Uh, he, he, he now runs a company called West Coast Cure, J Cures, uh, he's, it's, which is a huge brand out here in, in California. And across, it's known all over. And so he came in and he said, hey, I have some friends who are doing an internet, you know, radio show. They want to interview you guys. They want to interview lawyers who will smoke pot and talk about the laws that are changing. Because mm -hmm. Prop 64 was just coming and all that other stuff for 2016. And it was 2015. They wanted, and, they, and I told them my uncle and my dad would do it. And so my brother was like, you told them what? <laughs> and I'm like, where is it? Let's go. Yeah, yeah. And so my brother's like, hold on, you know, he's older, conservative. And so he tells us it's for Be Real TV. And so I, my age, I Be Real Cypress Hill, I grew up with those guys. 
Yeah. You know, they're on that, Mike, but I'm like, they're on TV now? I didn't know they had a TV show. <laughs> oh, no, it's on the internet. It's a streaming thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. So my brother was kind of concerned, you know, what's the, what's the state bar going to think? Or, you know, are we going to get in trouble? Or, you know, and I was like, who gives a fuck? I, let's, let's go be on, let's go be on something, you know, let's, let's go, let's go get interviewed. And then we were like, okay, we have our recommendations under Prop 215, which we're allowed to smoke. We can smoke in a private facility where somebody's allowing it, not breaking any laws. So let's go. So we asked my nephew, okay, we'll do it. When is it? Oh, it's tonight. We have to leave now. Huh. And that's my nephew. That's, 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 that's him. That's nothing unusual. That's just him. <laughs> that is him. And he knows everybody from Be Real to Snoop to all of them. You know, wow. over what his brand and what he's built. And, and he's actually the reason we do what we do and we are who we are. Because it started with him, right? you know, with our first cases. Um, but awesome. we, I, finally my brother said, okay. And we went down there and we did this interview for, it seemed like forever hour or two and we're smoking dabs blunt blunts bomb everything taking questions callers live all that and my nephew had been telling us for years you have to go on instagram you have to make an instagram account you don't understand and I, i'm on facebook i'm in instagram i i looked at it there's you know, there's boobs and pot. And, you know, what, what are we going to do on Instagram? And so, you know, I didn't really get it. And so after we did that interview, we did it. Goes, Guys, you got to do it. You got my brother goes, why don't we just use pop? We'll use pop brothers at law, you know? And so my brother, knowing nothing about social media at all, goes in and creates pop brothers at P.O.T. space. Bay. Every time he hits that space, he no, he doesn't know it. He's creating the un, that now for the rest of my life. Pot underscore brothers underscore at underscore like you were doing there. Pot underscore yeah. brothers underscore at underscore live. You know, I now I can do it really fast, but <laughs> like you didn't. Know. So that's always kind of funny. But he created it. Yep. And then we took some pictures at Be Real Studios with Be Real and Adam Hill, who we, that was you know. The first interview we ever did. Shout out to Adam Hill. And um, we posted some pictures. And then it was incumbent upon me because my brother wasn't going to do it. He's he barely, he barely he's barely on Facebook. You know, I mean, he's, he knows nothing about social media. I knew a little because I utilized social media. I had amassed 5,000 friends on social media over eight years and always used it for advertising, free marketing and for my business, yeah. stuff like that. I had, a, I had a good friend who, like a year before Facebook was coming out back then, I was like, hey, there's this thing coming out called Facebook. It's free, get on it and advertise your office. You know, it was advice somebody who knew about it gave me. And I did that. And so Instagram now, I'm like, what the, what is this? So I literally spent probably almost three straight days just Googling and reading and looking at Instagram and how do you get followers? And there's all these different, you know, things of what you do. Do you get to follow people to get followers, you know, but then, but then all the big people aren't following everybody. So you got to unfollow people and all that. And, but the most 
important thing I thought was, of course, the content. And what are we? We're not going to post pictures of naked anything. We're not going to. What are you know? We're 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 attorneys. What can we do? And back then there were only 15 seconds for the videos. It wasn't you know a minute or IGTV yeah. like you have now. It was 15 seconds. So we were we posted a couple like pictures and you know um, legal things, and then we decided we were going to do a series of 15 second tips on what to do during a pullover and how we think you should deal with the cops. Now, my entire career since 1996, as I started in criminal defense, because of you know one of my mentors way back, I've always told Mike, shut the fuck up when cops ask questions, right? Now we didn't have these, the script 25 words, but we had, you're never consenting to searches, then just shut the fuck up. You don't have to talk to the cops. So we've always had that and, and, and told that to clients and friends and family, right? And so once we figured out we're going to give this kind of advice and go, okay, this is what, this is what we would do at a pullover. We're going to tell you what to do in a series of 15 second tips. And that first day, I'll never forget it. We're in the car and he's, he's smoking a joint. Well, we were passing it back and forth first. And both my nieces, my brother's daughters were watching. They're, they're adults. And one of my nieces, uh, Landon, she's our secretary actually. And they were watching and we were going back and forth saying shit. And then one of his daughters said, dad, you just smoke, let Uncle Mark talk. And we did. <laughs> and that, now that's that. I mean, you know, I have the I have the camera background. I, it made sense, you know. And, and so we started doing that. And he smoked. I talked. He smoked. I talked. And you and, had it staggered like we are, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's just how it started. And then the fun, we started doing that. We did those a series of them. I think they're archived now in our Instagram, got to go all the way back, but we did like, I don't know, three or four of them. And then we started to do more just, okay, 15 second tips and then dealing with what to say to the cops. And then over time we create, you know, it's like, here, do you only use these 50 words? Okay, that's too many. And then we, we just played with it to try to really succinctly come up with a way for citizens to engage with law enforcement during a pullover in such a way so that everybody, including the officer, is safe and you're keeping your rights intact so that if whatever happens, you have your constitutional and civil rights all there for you if you need them in court for civil or criminal cases. So we worked on this, you know, coming up with those 25 words for quite some time. And during the process, doing other tips and feeding other information and really making sure that we're, you know, hey, we smoke. We're breaking the stigma. Fuck you, you don't like it. Go to the attorney who has a free martini lunch. 
mm-hmm. if you don't like that. And then the other thing that started happening, because I go to court much more than my brother, I'm always in a suit, vest and tie. My brother in the hat, sunglasses, or nice coat, T-shirt. That's how he dresses to the office. And so people started commenting on that stuff. And you know, we didn't know anything but really other than Facebook, which is an mm-hmm. entirely different animal than Instagram and Snapchat and everything else. And so it was like, wow, people, people care or they like it or whatever. So interestingly enough, my wife, who has always picked out all my clothes when we shop and when we go out once a month. (laughs) Stop. Never let it stop. Well, I don't know. We'll see. This is what happened to my wife though. So we we go out once a month or so and she would buy me a nice schnazzy outfit and get me all decked out and dressed up. Then this started happening. And I was like, I need another vest and tie outfit because I'm going to, this convention I'm, I'm i'm going to this expo i'm going to this show I, i'm going i gotta i'm doing another tip tomorrow and i need a different combination mm-hmm. <laughs> so she became my stylist more or less <laughs> and instead of oh, to the point where she's almost sick of it <laughs> but <laughs> it has gotten her work as some other people's stylist uh, picking outfits out and awesome. and stuff like that but it was just kind of understand or just getting to know this social media thing and and realizing that there was a huge void on Instagram and social media for guys like us I you know guys that are we're, we're willing to go out there and and smoke go on social media yeah we use uh, oh shit you just didn't you just go to court or aren't you going to go like six and seven in the morning? I'm getting ready to leave to go to court. I take a dab. I'm, I'm off for my day. Uh, yeah. You know, what's the problem? You know, there, there is no problem. You know, if it's, if it's a problem for somebody, that's your problem. If using cannabis is a problem and gets in somebody else's, you know, like we say, if, if it's disrupting your life, stop it. Don't yeah. use it. Well, yeah. and here, you know, I recently, so whenever I've been sick, my adult life, with bronchitis, whatever. I never stop smoking. <laughs> I smoke right through any time I've ever been sick. And I got sick in the beginning of March. I was never tested, but I'm pretty goddamn sure I had it. Because yeah. I had never been so sick. And the day came, whatever it was, and it hurt like a motherfucker. Yeah. When I took that hit of my cannabis, I'm like, fuck, I'm fine. And I stopped. I, you know, and I didn't smoke for like, I was sick for almost four weeks and, uh, I didn't smoke, you know, because it hurts and I'm not going to do something that hurts me, you know, like with the alcohol, I finally stopped that after it takes a long time to sometimes get it through your skull when you're doing <laughs> things that, that hurt as I, as I took the bong skull. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, I, I think I went off on a little tangent, but, uh, I, I, those are important things for for people to digest and know. Now you kind of answered our next question, which was going to be, you know, what do you guys do as the pop brothers at law? It sounds like you do, uh, uh, criminal defense, cannabis compliance. Yes. So, so as we, so before, before we became the pop brothers at law, we, we, well, we were the pop brothers at law before we went public, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, that we, we made our, we, as we say, we made our bones um, with, my, with my nephew uh, because I, I had always done criminal defense. And when he was showing the penchant for the green thumb and he you know, saw the benefits of it and coming, a child coming from a nasty divorce who the doctors wanted him on all sorts of other medication for, you know, what this and that. And he turned to cannabis, you know, with the help of his dad, my brother, and really saw the medicinal value and had a green thumb. And so while California was changing its processing, you know, you had to be a caretake, caregiver first and do all these things and do, be, do the caretaker route and do, and not just give somebody cannabis. So my nephew was that. He became a, a real caretaker, you know, which included helping people with cannabis. He got that license. He did that. Then it became a collective and then a cooperative and always following the rules which were created in California. But those rules, as it still is today, it's still a crime first. Not legal anywhere in the country. And I can address that later. But more so back then, it's a it's a it were felonies, and if you did A to Z, how we told you, and let us set up the paperwork and do everything, and you did what we said, and there was no evidence of outside bullshit, and you get picked up, we're gonna get those felonies dismissed. And so, the first case we got to test that on was my nephew, and and oddly enough, we weren't even gonna do it. Because, you know, it's like a doctor operating on a family member. Yeah. You know, it's too close to home. Uh -huh. and so we went out and found some attorneys. They were brothers. My brother went with my nephew and they hired these, they hired these attorneys, these two brothers. And we decided, you know, knowing, knowing criminal defense attorneys and how some of them operate, yeah. We decided I was going to go to court that, that that morning in my civvies, just like this, dressed mm -hmm. down and just kind of observe and watch this guy. And so because we told him, you know, my nephew's being charged with two felonies. No deal. There's no deals because he's doing everything in accordance with California law to be able to do this. There's no deal. He'll go to jail. And he was, he'll go to jail. If the jury says whatever, he'll go to jail. But he, and we made sure he was following the law. So, and that's why you do it that way. So you can fight. So we go to court and there's like three felonies and the, uh, the defense attorney goes outside the hall to talk to the prosecutor, which is normal. This is where they go discuss things. I went outside the hall. I sat down on the bench, like right next to him. And the, the DA offered to drop a felony, drop one felony, take two felonies and do 60 days in jail. Instead of, you know, if you get convicted of all three, it's you know, two, three, four, five years. And the guy goes, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll talk my client into that. Just like that. And he went back in to the courtroom my nephew was in there and he said some kind of bullshit to my nephew and you should take this deal. It's really good. And my nephew, 
I ain't taking no fucking deals. I told you. <laughs> the fuck? Let's get out of here. And so they left. Later that afternoon, me, my nephew, and my brother went back to their office. I had a suit on. Now, walk back in. The guy's face almost fucking fell off. Yeah. I go, yeah, we'll take the money back for the retainer, and we're just going to fucking do it. Which we did. And in that case, so that case stemmed from a grow that he had uh, in his house, a lawful grow, legal grow that he had in his house uh, that he was growing for patients. He had all everything, he had everything he needed. And somebody tried to rob him and break into his house. A neighbor called the cop, heard what was going on, called the cops. The cops came. My nephew walked, came outside his house, locked the door, and the cops came. And he, and he described them and said, da, 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 and they were uninterested in that and more interested in what's inside. What's inside? And, of course, he's shutting the fuck up. Yeah. The cops got their body cams on. And these cops, some of these cops, man, the body cams that they forget are on when they're right. walking around the corners and talking to each other and saying things like, we got to find a way to get in that house. We got to get we got to get in there. You know? Well, there was a robbery, you know, we got to get in there. And then they 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 see they um, after they patted him down, they were, got his keys. Are these your keys? I said, yeah, those are my keys. You cannot you don't have consent to go in my house. And they took the keys and they went right in the house. And they took the 24 plants. It was like the biggest bust ever. It was made the newspaper in that city. Like it was some big drug, huge, <laughs> so fucking ridiculous. <clears throat> and, they, and, and felonies follow. And so illegal search, complete illegal search. Right. We file our motion. We have the audio where... The cop is, they're saying, we got to find a way to get in the house. Now, in the police report, they're saying he consented to a search. They're saying that when they asked him whose keys these were, that he said, those are mine. And you can go in. Not, Mark, does anybody in your family consent to searches? No. <laughs> of course not. Which is, so, 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 so we know my nephew isn't, it's not lying. You know, I mean, as a criminal defense attorney, I certainly I've represented people over the years, 24 years. And they're like, you're not telling me the truth. And <laughs> when I get the police report and I hear everything, I'm going to I'm going to substantiate that thought that I'm having. You know, I get pretty good. You could tell, you know, but right. I knew there's no way he consented. I can't wait to hear this audio. And so we get everything. And at the moment where. They're indicating he consents to the search after this question. The audio, which is clear on both other sides, goes, eh, supposedly right where he says, I consent, right? And then, then you have the officers, oh, we got to find a way to get in the house. So we go, we file our motion. We're there the day of the hearing. Prosecutor, a new DA prosecutor comes. It's always switching. 
And they never, they don't know what the fuck's going on half the time. And we're like, you, you, you want to go to, you want to go on this, huh? Because we're going to cross-examine the cop and he's a liar. Because look, read, here's the police report. Here, listen, here's the audio, go, listen to it. And so she listened to it with the cop, came back and said, the officer's not going to testify. Oh, good. So then we get up there, we make our deal, ding, there's no opposition, boom, case dismissed. Because he was doing everything right, we can get everything back. Now we fast forward a couple years later, and now my nephew's got a great delivery going, a great cooperative corporation. He's delivering in Newport Beach, California, and he gets pulled over. Because, and we still yell at him for this, he was on his cell phone because the Bluetooth didn't work and he couldn't wait. And he was on his cell phone. That's why he got pulled over. And one of the things we're sticklers about is preventative. Preventative. Do things to minimize the probability that you'll get pulled over. Don't be on the phone. Right. Don't let your tags expire. You know, don't drive around with a cracked window and your light's not working. Well, all those things. Oh, I gotta, I'd be remiss if I don't remind everybody the big one that people are getting pulled over across the country is the light that illuminates your rear license plate being out. Check it, people. I can't even They look for that vehicle code violation and then they want to get in your car. Yeah. So they're looking for that reason. So they pull them over and the cop comes up to the window it smells in here, and he gives our card to the officer. And if you haven't seen our card, let's see if I can get the letters. The, there there you, go. you go. So that has the script right on the back, and on big, uh, big red letters. I do not consent to a I search. I consent to a search. In big red letters, I do not consent to a search. Gave that, you see it through the, on the video, gave her the card. And because he's my brother's son, my nephew, he did say, and we don't, rec- you know, we recommend, stick, don't go off the script, just stick to it. But he said, when she said it smells, he said, well, smells not probable cause in California, which you know, he was right, because he knows. Um, but nonetheless, she gets him out of the car, walks him around. And now we get, we're on the uh, dash cam that's pointed right in front of the car. Walk him to the curb. We don't see him. We hear talking, her talking, and asking again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to search your car, okay? And then when you read the police report, says he consented to the search when she sat him down on the curb. And again, I'm reading this police report. <laughs> There's no, I can't wait to hear because I'll beat him, right? We'll beat my nephew. He'll get a beating. If he actually consented, my brother and I, and we would beat him. He knows that. So, so again, I'm like, I'm so anxious to hear it. And so we get it and I'll be goddamn different police departments, different cities, different everything. Same fucking. Eh. Right at the moment when they say he consented. And then she comes out and starts searching the car. So this one, we kind of figured the same thing might happen. We're going to get all ready. We're going to go. 
and they're going to listen to it, and they're not going to have the cop uh, testify lying. Well, good, good thing we always say, always be prepared. Always. Because when you're not prepared, that's when you're really going to get fucked. We were prepared and gave them everything. And we, in the morning, and they reviewed everything, told us just before lunch, we're not going to oppose it. And me and my brother went to lunch separately from my nephew and his friends. And we didn't tell him that DA said that. And we were discussing among, with us, like, it seems like we didn't, we just didn't trust it. You know, we didn't trust it for whatever reason. It, it, and we had no real reason to. It was like, that's what we were expecting. You know, but yeah. why tell us just before lunch when we have to come back? You know, we could have done the hearing already, but you spent all morning reviewing everything. And then why didn't we just go on the record right now? I don't know. So then, sure enough, we get back to lunch. Yeah, we're going to go forward. The cop's going to testify. Really? Did you... You, you did you hear it or not hear it? You, I'm just curious. Oh yeah, we yeah yeah yeah. Okay. I was going through the whole stop, and I get to the card, pass it through the window, and then I approach. I hand the officer the card, and I said, "Can you please read this card?" To now, my, actually, I you know let me let me back up. The script was not on the card back then. This is like 2000. It had it. Yeah, all the script and stuff wasn't on the card. It was, I do not consent. And then this is what the officer read to the judge that's on the card. To any police officer or law enforcement personnel, I am invoking my Fifth Amendment Miranda rights and will only speak to you with my attorney present. And so she read that and I said, okay. So my client didn't consent, gave you a card that said he wasn't consenting. Now, according to your police report, you watch the video here, you walk him around, you sit him on the curb. Now we're out of view of the video, but this is where in your police report you indicate he consented. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, let's listen to the audio. What happened to the audio? I don't know, technical, I, it does that. I go, oh, so it, it did that just where he said he was going to consent. After he told you once he didn't consent, he gave you a card that says you don't consent. He actually testified before the cop to the judge that my dad's an attorney, my uncle's an attorney. I would be disowned if I ever consented to a search. <laughs> We don't talk to cops. So I'm very curious. You're one hell of an officer because what did you say to in like minutes make my work I've done for, you know, 22 years on my nephew that suddenly made him consent? What did you say? Tell me. Walk me through it. This was the response. Um, I, uh, I uh, you know, you did the timeline that, you know, you're confusing me. <laughs> and I said, and so I, here's why family 
doesn't represent family when I said, well, isn't that because you're a liar? Which as an attorney, <laughs> you don't do that. You yeah. don't call a witness a liar. You let the judge, the jury, you let them figure that out for which already happened. I had, it had already been figured out, you know, and, but I was so fucking pissed and the judge, you know, scolded me for saying that. And, you know, I was, and, and, and diff, different judge, different result. I could have pissed off the judge so much, you know, fortunately when it was all over, the judge found there was no consent. You know, he wouldn't say the cop lied, but he found there was no consent. So then that left room for us to do our motion to get everything back. And there's a nice video that we have posted up a bunch of times of uh, going to the police department. And, they, and to, to, to their credit, they kept everything in the jar. It was all, you know, they didn't fuck with that evidence. At nice. all. You know, we got, we got it all back. And, and that's really how we really, like I said, made our bones our first couple of cases for, and my nephew was, if we lost those motions, he's going to go to jail. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and he, you know, he was, he was ready to, you know, and, and it's guys like him and so many others in this industry around the country that are shut out of the industry yeah. because of the new regulations and such. And, and, and they, they, they're not able to get in, you know, so that's how was our first case. And then, you know, moving back to pop brothers at law and what, we do not only the criminal defense, but now with regulations, compliance, all that licensing, permitting, we, we do everything from criminal defense to licensing and permitting. And there are clients of ours who have state licenses who still get arrested and they have to deal with it and deal well, with the process. I saw you just posted the other day that like licensed, uh, I don't know the exact terminology since I'm not from California, so jump in here, but licensed uh, transporters, if you will, don't go a certain route because basically Homeland Security was seizing. Is that, am I correct? correct. That? That, that is correct. That is correct. That, yep. One of our clients got hit at a fucking, some kind of checkpoint, federal checkpoint, whatever. And they were going, you know, as a licensed distributor, going to a licensed place, yeah. and they and they took all the product, you know, and then and, and and the business has to file with the with the BCC, and you know, I, I mean, right. And now you gotta avoid, which you know, who knows what kind of costs that's gonna add, and I mean, but but and that's one, that's an instance where they're just taking everything and detaining the person, but you still have CHP and like cops everywhere. Who yeah. are like, oh well, this line, I don't know, maybe that's fake. I'll let's you can deal with the judge, deal with the judge, you know. And so it's it's, uh, it's it's ridiculous. When you talked about them, you're getting all your the evidence back from uh, your nephew's mishap, if you will. Um, I wonder if, like, in the process of dealing with him, if they realized who they were dealing with, and that's why they, like, took so much care to package it all up. They probably even wrote on it, Wasserman Bros. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> we, do, we do get uh, messages from people all over that, hey, I used the script, and when I got to, well, I'm not discussing my day, the cop said, oh, you follow the Pop Brothers at Law. Just get out of here. Wow. We've had we've had wow. some 
really quick before my next question, I just wanted to plug that the fact that um, so I'm a huge fan of Run the Jewels, and I saw Killer Mike's speech recently. You know, where there's a lot of things going on with the with law enforcement, obviously right now there's a lot of criticism, and so um, you guys were actually one of the people that he mentioned uh, with regard to you know who you should follow to learn your rights. Another person they uh, listed, I believe it's Mr. Checkpoint or Mr. Yes. Mr. Checkpoint, very good friend of ours. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just wanted to give you guys, both of you guys, a shout on that. And, and you need to follow their accounts uh, because there's a lot of good information that you guys can all learn. Um, and it's, you know, while, while you guys are from California, this stuff, the script is applicable everywhere. I mean, more or less, right? Because it's all, it's based on Supreme Court precedent. That br brings us to our next question. Tell us about the script and how you developed each line. All right. So the script. And uh, I just want to say, Justine, pay attention because, Mark, you can give us a quiz. Uh, you can give us. I want you to be the cop. You give us the script. I want you to give Justine the script challenge and okay. uh, see if she we'll, wins. We'll do at the end of the show. We'll do the script challenge for sure. Cool. Uh, all right. So so and, and real quick, you mentioned the killer Mike um, that particular day we were at our office and our parents called us up because they were watching CNN and said, you guys just got shouted out by this guy who, do you know? So that's how we actually found out. And um, I messaged Killer Mike. He messaged right back. We uh, swapped uh, information and we talked about doing stuff together to, you know, help people and further the change. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, and shout out to Mr. Checkpoint, a good friend of ours as well, that we do a lot of, a lot of good things and he's doing great work too. So, so, and we, we, we actually now we've, we've added one of his taglines to our mantra, which before I get into the script, just the basic mantra is st stick to the script, shut the fuck up, never consent to searches, always film the police. And that's Mr. Checkpoint's deal. Always film the police. So, all right, so the script is the, the last, the only 25 words you ever use when dealing with law enforcement. At a pullover, they come to your house. I mean, if you're, if you're a victim, of course, not, we're not talking about that, but otherwise engaging with law enforcement. And, you know, 80 to 90% of traffic stops turn into drug arrests uh, and other things. So... Me and my brother, as I mentioned earlier, creating a way to engage with law enforcement peacefully so you're protecting your constitutional and civil rights. And what I now get out of the way in the beginning is what the script isn't for. Because people who are hearing this for the first time are, a lot of reactions are, well, that's not going to work for me. You know, I'm black, I'm a minority. If I say that, I'll get beat up, I'll get killed, uh, it's not going to work, this and that and the other thing. Which, you know, we, one of the things that we understand is we'll never, never really understand shit. Um, you know, we're, we're older Jewish white men, you know. Um, but we understand the law, your rights, and how to fight things in court and what's needed in court to fight things that happen as a result of traffic stops. So, so what the script is not for 
It's not to ensure that you don't get pulled over. You might get profiled and pulled over for no reason and they'll lie and make something up. The script isn't to ensure that you don't get off with just a warning or you don't get a speeding ticket or any kind of ticket. It's not to ensure that you don't get detained. It's not to ensure that you don't get arrested and taken into custody. It's not to ensure that you don't get criminal charges filed against you. It's not to ensure that you don't get beat up, harassed, killed, or and all of those things I just said. Those are all the things that happen at traffic stops. We see it. Those are all the things. And I can't do anything about any one of those things not happening or not. What we're saying is, what this is for is to keep all of your constitutional and civil rights remedies and defenses intact. So if you need them in criminal court for defense or in civil court for you or your family, the less you say, only 25 words, shutting the fuck up, the more available all of those rights, defenses, and remedies are going to be for you. Because when you start talking, you start potentially removing things and giving the officers excuses to use and all of that stuff. So that's what the script is for, to ensure that when you go to court afterwards, whether civil or criminal, you have all your rights, remedies, and defenses available for your attorney to use and utilize and argue and create arguments and be create and you know, whatever, you know, that that's, that's where the problem start is when you talk and say things, you don't know how that's going to affect in the end, what arguments I can or cannot make. So as I mentioned earlier, we kind of with 50 words and 35, whatever, we went through a series of this until we came to these 25 words. Why did you pull me over? I'm not discussing my day. Am I being detained or am I free to go? I invoke the fifth. Then you shut the fuck up. Now, we, you know, we didn't just make those up right, right off the bat. It didn't just come to us. We toyed with other words and other language. And, and right from the beginning, though, why did you pull me over is imperative because cops, they have about seven to eight minutes to write a traffic ticket unless they find other independent probable cause to uh, keep you further detained, do a search and other things. So you need to establish the traffic stop because they may not. Now you may get the cop come up to you. You know why I pulled you over? And that's what they do to, oh, did I run that red light? Did I to just casually start talking and admitting things now it's already happening and you're saying things or they come up and they say hey, how you doing today and they start nice casual conversation it's not casual conversation as they're walking up they're looking in every crack and crevice in your car uh, they know where to look and they're engaging you to talk and because there's no traffic stop yet it's talking to somebody and they're looking for shit. And you don't know who's in your car from three weeks ago that dropped something. Believe me, 
when people, I don't have anything in my car. Well, yeah, who's been in your car? I, you know, you, you know, you don't take chances. And so no matter what the officer says, when he comes up to you, why did you pull me over officer? And then they tell you, they're supposed to tell you, all right, you were speeding. Okay, great. Then they're going to say, what's that smell? Why are you going so fast? Where are you headed to? Where are you going? What's the, whatever, how many drinks have you, it doesn't matter what they say. The best response we feel is, I'm not discussing my day, officer. And feedback we get is, well, why, why, why do you have to be rude? And I say, well, was, it, was I just rude? Let's do it again. I'm not discussing my day, officer. That's not rude. So it's, it's your tone. It's how you say it. Now, the other thing that will happen is the cop will say, well, why aren't you cooperating with me? Can't you just cooperate? You know, it's a simple thing. You know, where, where are you headed? You know, I'm not discussing my... And so they trick you. And a lot of people make this false assumption that not answering a cop's question means you're not cooperating. means you're not cooperating? No. No, that's not cooperation. You are cooperating during the whole traffic stop. Right from the beginning, you saw the lights, you pulled over, right. <laughs> cooperated. You turned your car off, cooperated. You, know, you had your window rolled down, you cooperated, you gave him your license, insurance, and registration, you cooperated three more times. He asked you to get out, you get out, you put your hands behind you. You are doing nothing but cooperating. If you're doing all those things, that's all cooperation. Right. So when you say, I'm not discussing my day, and they hit you with that, you, I'm not... Am I being detained or am I free to go? And then whatever they say after that, am I being detained or am I free to go is next because now you're putting them back decision time. Make a decision, officer, because really, do I look wasted? Am I, did you pull me over for going all nuts? And, you know, my light was out. My rear thing was out on my thing. That's why you pulled me over. You know, well, you know, I mean, in your head, you know, that's the that's the the thoughts going on, and making sure they know you know your rights. It's going to have one of two different effects. One, like I mentioned, are you follow the power, or they might not even say that. Just this guy knows his rights. Not doing anything wrong. I don't see anything that's poking out at me. You know, get out of here. I'll get the next 10 people who are going to let me go all up in their car and maybe I'll find the fucking joint that was left there, you know, two weeks ago and bust them, you know, for open container, you know. And so that's one one way. Then you get the cops who just they, they fucking hate that you know your rights and they are not going to you're fucked in their mind. Oh, one of these. huh? OK, well, and the worst that can, you know, in terms of reacting to a cop like that one of the things we coined there's only room for one ego at a traffic stop let it be the cop that's yeah. it so you know that i'm always reminded of all these viral videos where the cops are breaking windows and ripping people out and all of that and most of the time most of the time it started with somebody who wasn't going to back down from their rights, which, you know, I don't have a problem with that, you know, but be careful what you say. Sure. 
because you might be saying stuff, but also well, Mark, be careful what you do too. You know, they say anything you yep. say or do. So just right. be respectful. Absolutely, you know? absolutely right. And, and just not, that's what they, 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 they want you to do that. Right. They want you to do that. So when it's all over and you're fucked up, they're able to say, I was afraid for my life. I had to do this because this, this, and this. And that's what our whole theory and the whole 25 words and, 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 and checking the ego to take that crutch away from the cops who say that. Now, you know, unfortunately, we have two very extreme examples right now of, uh, you know, George Floyd and uh, Richard. And it's... And Breonna Taylor. The, the, well, yeah, well, that's, that's in a whole other category. Yeah, that's a whole other, yeah. Of itself. Because that's just so that there's I don't, that, I don't even know what that is, you know, in terms of <laughs> in terms of the how, how we can apply the script and its theory. Because if you look at the Mr. Floyd situation, he didn't get pulled over, but he why did you arrest? Why are you doing this? Why are you arresting me? He didn't resist. He didn't do anything. And now those cops are going to jail, in my opinion. I hope I'm not wrong. But oh. They're going to jail because there's no way they can say, I was afraid for my life. They yeah. can't. They can't say it. The earth should explode if those guys don't go to jail. Because yeah. I won't get it. But, but it's clear that they can't say that. They cannot use that as they can't use that crutch. And so what George Floyd did, kept all his rights, remedies, and defense is intact for his family. Because after those guys go to jail, that family is going to bring you that lawsuit. They're going to be able to utilize everything. I hate the other situation because it's already happened. I don't know if you've heard it or not. The fucking defense attorney is already, he was afraid, he was, you know, afraid for his life and he had to defend himself. The guy got the taser and, you know, they're, making, oh, they're saying it. They're able to say it. Now, the fucked up thing for me to wrap my head around is we'll never know what was in Richard's mind, but I can't, I can't blame him or anybody in that situation, any black person in that situation. Those fucking cops talked to him for 46 minutes right. and all of that and then start to take him down. I, he's got... I, why wouldn't he be thinking, fuck, these guys are going to kill me? Just well, like they killed George Floyd. I better get out of here. I'm just trying to save my life. Not only that, but what is just up with lethal force in America? You know, you, you see uh, in other countries. I know America is a different breed, you know, and people do have weapons sometimes. But it's, you know, what's up with shooting them five, six times? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I... I am a firearm owner and I feel pretty confident that if, you know, I had to, if I felt I had to use my firearm, I could do it in a non-lethal way. And, you know, like there's so many other things, there's so many other ways to solve a problem than to just bang, 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 you know, well, you could have shot these him. people, these people don't have any training. I think no. is the biggest thing. Well, oh, they do. They have like, what is it like six whole weeks or <laughs> I don't, I don't. Oh, it's all got to change. It's all, 
I mean, it's it's culture. It's you know these guys, these cops are trained. To there was a great article that just came out. Um, I was a bastard cop. Uh, I think it was in the New York Post or the Washington, New York Times or Washington Post, and it was a, a former cop who's retired and just talking about that that culture and that that tra- the like going out and making and arresting uh, somebody under uh, obscure laws. Learning yeah. and looking up obscure laws like, oh, you took that, what was it? Oh, it was um, taking a empty soda can out of a container from a city dump place was theft because you're stealing from the city because the city was going to recycle that and get money. And he actually arrested people and took people to jail for it. And wow. so, that, yeah, this article was great. And he was... He really opened up. I, I'm actually, I think we're reaching out to him, try to see if we can interview him. But, uh, um, you know, it's that culture. It's that it's these 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 cops being trained to not protect and serve, but save your ass first and make sure, you know, you might have to kill somebody. And, you know, here's all the videos of how cops get killed. Well, you know, that's one of the things he wrote about. They don't even do, I mean, I don't mean to speak for all cops, but the, the cops that I've talked to, because I want to bring it back to Illinois here, because, you know, we do have a focus on the cannabis market in Illinois. Um, I spoke to a few law enforcement agents in Illinois, which, um, you know, to some of our listeners sounds like a scary thing to do. But I've uh, I've got a pretty good reputation with, with some law enforcement agents. So I just, I wanted to open up and ask them questions. And basically, uh Mark, if you didn't know, there's an odor-proof provision in uh, the Illinois cannabis law. So I would, from what you said, that definitely differs from California law. And I want to be clear. I know you can't give us, uh, like, legal advice in Illinois or anything since, you know, you're an attorney in California. But I just want to have a discussion about this. And I think your script is applicable in a lot of these situations. Um, So... uh, I just wanted to tell you, though, about how wacky this is. So basically, to transport cannabis in Illinois, the language of the law reads, it must be in a sealed, child-proof, and odor-proof container. Okay, so fun fact for our listeners. Go ahead. Go ahead. Is that that for personal use or businesses or both? Everybody. Okay. Everybody. And actually, uh, I'll bring up uh, something, a little bit of a... I guess, exception to that here in a little bit. But fun fact for our listeners, the law that was originally proposed read that cannabis must be transported in a sealed, childproof, odor-proof, and get this, Mark, tamper-evident container. And Normal and other groups lobbied really hard to get rid of this, and they did strike it. But just to be clear, they went for tamper-evident because they wanted to make cannabis a one-way product. In other words, if, if I went over to your house, Mark, and we sparked up, um, I'd have to keep it there, give it to you, or we'd right. have to smoke it all, <laughs> which I we could do. <laughs> we could do that for sure, but it's a little bit ridiculous. ridiculous. You know, sometimes I know that you don't drink anymore, but think about the fact that I could come over with a six, a 12 pack and then I throw the, the 12 pack in my trunk and go home. You know, that's, that's, that should be no different really with cannabis. And so I'm glad that, that we removed that provision from the law. Um, but Following legalization, several law enforcement officers and agencies have made public uh, statements that indicated that they have the legal authority to walk canine units around cars during traffic stops to ensure that, on quote, citizens are transporting cannabis in compliance with the law. 
And by that, they mean in an odor-proof container. So I spoke with the chief of police for a local department here in our area. And uh, I want to get him on the show in the future. We'll see how that goes. But he's worked many years on the road. And he actually, he had, many, he had a bunch of plaques on his wall because he made his name in the state of Illinois seizing drugs with canine units, right? And he, he told me that. He's like, that's how I made my name in the state of Illinois. And I was like, okay. Uh, so anyways, uh, we were talking about this subject and he told me that, you know, if somebody buys cannabis from the dispensary, he pulls them over and let's say they may or may not be being, com- this is his words, completely forthright with law enforcement because maybe an embarrassment factor or whatever. Or maybe they're even just thinking, you know, yeah, I got it in my car, but it's legal. It's in the original packaging, you know, whatever. But what he told me is if an officer runs a dog around the car and that that dog hits, he said that when it hits, that gives them probable cause to search your vehicle. He said, according to the automobile exception, which I looked it up, what he meant was the motor vehicle exception, which was established by the Supreme Court in 1925. But the funny thing about that is that that is used, the motor vehicle exception, maybe you can jump in on this because you're the lawyer. Um, it's used, it allows an officer, and it, this kind of returns to a point you said earlier, cannabis is not legal anywhere in the state because if they're using this excuse, which is uh, it allows an officer to search a vehicle without a search warrant as long as he or she has probable cause to believe that evidence or contraband is located in the vehicle. Why does cannabis odor make you think evidence or contraband? Well, 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 and because it just, it's lead, it, well, right. So, so, but see, this is where, shutting the fuck up and at the end of the day let the attorney do the deal and deal with it because i mean i already thinking of arguments i mean like i said i don't know i haven't read that law no law but yeah. you're saying it's it's supposed to be odor proof and they want to bring a dog that's trained to smell odor no matter how it's packaged because well, bingo. what the fuck that's the the the, the 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 traffickers are trying to hide the odor and the dogs are trying to find the odor where it is and they find it Right. Well, and not only that, but if a dog, you you wear your nice, you know, suit jacket and stuff, and maybe you smoke a hemp roll, maybe you smoke a joint, yeah. and let's say you get in the car, maybe the dog, maybe you do have cannabis in your car, maybe you don't, um, but maybe the dog's hitting on your clothes, you know? <laughs> Think about how yeah. cannabis works, yep. you know? And then the... Absolutely. And I, so, so that that's, this is all new, right? Yeah, this is all new, so we're going to see some precedent, of course. Um, but this is the this fuck. Is, up. That's the main. That's everybody's got to shut the fuck up and let their attorneys do it, figure it out, do their jobs. Yep. So I, I wanted to tell you that I blew his mind because he, you know, uh, those law enforcement officers went to. There's a couple dispensaries in town. There's actually 50 all over the state. Isn't that crazy? We only have 50 in the state of Illinois. Maybe we're we one of the most populated states. We, uh, we've only got like 17 cultivators. So yeah, that, that kind of 20, I think licenses available, but 17 at this time are active. Anyways. Um, I, you know, the law enforcement officers have been told by dispensaries that these, uh, cannabis products are in odor proof containers. Justine worked at a dispensary. Justine, when the shipments came in, did it smell? Absolutely. (laughs) And so I told him, you know, these things are not in odor-proof containers because, Chief, hey, you know, all those plaques on the wall that you made your name on, there's no such thing as an odor-proof container. And if there was, the cartel, everybody who transports drugs, they'd be all over it. You know what I mean? 
There's no such thing. Sure, if you Google odor-proof container, you're going to have plenty of results that do an okay job at holding smell. But at the end of the day, like you said, these dogs are trained for smell detection. Well, and see, and the, the, the other ass backwards thing about that is, so Illinois is now medical and adult use, right? Yep. So, so the smell alone, again, like in California, it's not probable cause. Right. You know, we've won. We've gotten cases dismissed. It is not smell alone because that's now, that now does not mean, oh, illegal conduct. You know, before you smelled it, well, it was illegal all the way around. It's, 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 let's go. Probable cause. But now someone could have like a little nug like that and it could stink <laughs> up a whole fucking block. Um, so, yeah. So I, 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 I'm curious uh, to see how this plays out in court when people start getting arrested. Yeah, me too. Me too. And just a, a one thing that I wanted to, to close off before we move to our next topic, um, which is. Uh, pre pretty fun topics before we close out the show. Um, basically, it's just the topic that, you know, you need to know your rights because the police don't even know your rights. And oft oftentimes, you know, these people, these chiefs of police and other law enforcement agents that I met with, they admitted they just go to this conference and they meet with other cops and they take notes on how, like, it's not literally, you know, sometimes it's not literally as, you know, as meticulous as I'm saying, where it's like, oh, how do I bust people? But sometimes it is. And for cannabis particularly, they got into a room with all the chiefs of police, state's attorneys, and some legal professionals, and they basically gave them some guidance. And it's it's interesting because uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out, like you say. So Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we want to know what is your favorite consumption method because we are like <laughs> all joints all day every day but what do you prefer no i you know it's kind of in line with my answer of how much i smoke it's like what whatever i whatever i can whatever's whatever, in front of you whatever yeah. i got so i mean <laughs> um doing these live stuff in my garage i you know i've got my i've yeah i've got everything i've got my pipe i've got Where's the camera? I got, you know, my joints. You've seen my rig. Yes. I have a bong. Ooh, right. nice. So, I mean, everything. And and if somebody, well, I guess <laughs> I was going to say if somebody passed me bl uh, a blunt, <laughs> I would hit it. But we, we're not passing things anymore. So, yeah. so um, I, I guess I don't, I there's no blunts or I don't keep blunts around. Um, but because I don't like the the traditional uh you know the fucking what are those the yeah, tobacco yeah. the tobacco that's rolled in tobacco and shit yeah. i do like a good hemp leaf wrapped into a blunt i'll have that yeah. um and i you know when i'm inside with my family i gotta go with the edibles <laughs> yeah um all right so tell us about the craziest case that you've ever had to work like whether it was dirty cops dirty clients uh just what what one really sticks out? <laughs> Fuck! I'll tell you one right now that's going on that has me pissed off. Okay. Um. So, but the end of last year, we got a call from a, a nice lady. She, the area where she's at, the court that she's at is about two and a half hours, three hours from where I'm at, and. She's an Uber driver, 
who got a infraction ticket for having an open container of cannabis. And the open container was... I do, wait. Was a roach about that bit. Okay, now. She had... One of the things she does is she gives homeless people rides for free. So she had picked up a homeless person who stunk of everything and dropped him off at a laundromat. She pulls out a laundromat. There's a cop in front of her slows down, and then goes behind it, pulls her over, like that. And she said, why did you pull me over? And he said, because I smelled marijuana. And <laughs> wanted to get her out of the car and search, and see. she said no. And she started recording and she asked for a supervisor. Supervisor came. She recorded everything. She did not consent to a search. They said it smells and they're going to search for the smell. Which they did. And then they find this open container or the roach that was dropped by the homeless guy who was in her car. So that is an infraction ticket for like 450 bucks. But like here in California, it's a point against your driving record. So for an Uber driver, you can't, can't have that. No. So, you know, she called our office for advice, but I, and I do got to say she, she, the reason she, she found us or knew of us was because her mother listens to Michael Rappaport on his podcast and heard us, like, I guess it was like two years ago or a year and a half, two years ago already when we did his podcast. Um, I just thought that was interesting. And then, and then uh, she told me what happened. And she said, I was thinking maybe I, you know, maybe I need a, you know, an attorney, but I don't, I can't, I don't think I can afford you guys. And, you know, you know, who hires an attorney for an infraction ticket to begin with, you know, traffic, ter traffic tickets and stuff like that. Uh, so I said, look, you know, we'll help you out. We'll do this pro bono because this is just wrong and we'll, we'll help you out. So what I thought was going to be maybe one or two drives up, nice drives up a couple hours to go to this court since the beginning of last year has turned into like three, four of them, I think, you know, with the pandemic and everything pushed back. And we actually had the hearing two weeks ago. Uh, my motion to dismiss everything based on an illegal search. search. So smell in California is not probable cause. Smell alone is not probable cause in, in California. So, oh, sorry, wait, I dropped my lighter. It's all good. I can't wait for that precedent to be made here. I feel sorry for the son of a bitch that has to go through all that trouble. Yeah, it, but it's, it's awful. It's, yeah. it's awful. And it's so stupid. It's ass backwards. It's, they have to see that. It's, it's a lawful substance. Why are we talking about the smell of it? Like, you know, there's other things that stink that we buy, like onions. Are you going to fucking... Did you email me that, the statue, whatever it is, the, the law? Yeah, that's yeah, it? for sure. Absolutely. E email Absolutely. Um, Okay. We'll do, and I'll, I'll email you some uh, articles of uh, the law enforcement agents. The, one of my yeah. favorites 
one of my favorites is uh it's this headline from a town i was actually born near it's like effingham uh chief of police getting uh studying up on the new law and he's got this he's got the law in front of him and in the quotes he actually got a few of the things about the law wrong he said that it must you know have traceable on it and i told you we'd wrap around to that component of the law um a lot of law enforcement have also been saying that for people in illinois they're saying that the law says you must have it in a traceable container i actually even played an audio clip of a law enforcement agent saying that to me me reading the law to him because I had it right in front of me. Just I was ready, and um, he just said uh, understood. It was during an open forum conversation. He was informing people about the laws of cannabis, but I felt it important to correct him because he was saying it wrong. And the reason I correct him on that, Mark, is because all these people saying it's got to be in a traceable container. What they mean by that is like the barcode. Um, we've got a cannabis, you've got cannabis containers. There's a little barcode that's from seed to sale. It's for tracking purposes. Yep. Yep. Well, medical patients now have the right to grow in cannabis. We've actually got a couple plants going. It's, it's a great uh, Are you going to get a barcode on that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Where that's the thing. Take it anywhere then? Well, and that's what, that's what they were, that's, that's where it kind of goes. And it's like, really, this is my medicine. I can't, travel with it nobody's really pushed that envelope yet so to say they're not telling medical patients that they can't travel with it but for all intents and purposes they give you know they confuse people by making these sweeping statements when you know they're taking pictures of themselves holding the bill and they don't even fucking read it right. you know so um not to get too down in the dumps about it but um hey i saw you're smoking a joint um cheers Let's uh, puff on that. What do you think? Did you see our uh, chill, chili? Uh, that's our Illinois logo. It's the state of Illinois yeah. rolling a little doobie. You like that? Very good. Very good. My good buddy made that. It's inspired off of another artist's uh, work. He made the Illinois, and he had the state of Illinois walking with a joint. And so okay. we kind of did our creative rendition of that. It's What are you nice. smoking on over there? West Coast Cure Hardcore OG. That's your nep nephew's company, right? Sure is. Hell yeah. Hell when, yeah. You, you make, when you make lots of felonies go away and your nephew has one of the biggest cannabis companies, uh, you're okay. You're set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be in California. Hopefully, if everything, you know, all this COVID stuff goes away, uh, my brother just went to the Marines. And so his graduation will be sometime maybe in the winter or this fall. So fingers crossed. At this point, they're saying that my parents can go. So... Hopefully, hoping I can go too, because I've always wanted to go to California and smoke Where? some California weed. What part? Uh, I'll be going to San Diego. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, Excellent. the chilly part of California. <laughs> well, if uh, you, when that happens, hit me up because we're 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 about an hour and a half uh, north of San Diego, and uh, you know we can get you on our podcast, our Cannabis Talk One Hundred and One podcast. Yeah. Hey, I'm up for a drive too. I love driving, so an hour and a half is nothing to me. So. Um, cool. I just had a couple questions, uh, before we got into the script challenge and we wanted you to plug your website and, uh, for your clients in California that might be listening your phone and uh, once again, your Instagram, but I just wanted to ask you as a lawyer, how's court changed with COVID-19? Oh, it's a nightmare. I mean, is it remote now? Yeah. Well, I've done, it's either, either depending on the type of case, you know, like major, like felony cases their courtrooms have been you know limit open on a limited basis uh lots of cases have been 
pushed back. Um, I've had to do court three, four times video remote. Uh, I went to court once. I was told the case was going to go. And when I got there, they said, no, we closed again. So it's just now it's just managing the cases because they're giving us new dates. So, you know, I might have an arraignment this day, but now it's in two months. You know, and I've probably got 50 cases or so that are just being pushed and pushed and pushed. Right. So courts virtual, it's probably the first time you've actually been able to consume on the job, like actually while you're representing. Well, I mean, I don't expose it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just joking. I'm just fucking around. It'd be cool, though. It'd be like liberating, you know? I'm not not in the courtroom. (laughs) I thought about it, but yeah, didn't pull that trigger. Yeah, sure. You got, you know, you got jurors that you're trying to impress. So, yes. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, on that note. Um, yeah. Uh, so just remind us again where we can find you, where our California friends can get in touch with you. Absolutely. So our website is uh, popbrothersatlaw.com and our toll free number 855-WASLAW. And as you mentioned, we are California attorneys. We handle all of California. We do have a pretty wide-reaching network of attorneys across the nation and actually the world, <laughs> for that matter. We, we can, so we can potentially refer people to uh, attorneys that we've tried to vet out in different uh, areas across the United States. And like I mentioned, uh, we we uh, interviewed a nice uh, criminal defense attorney, Ahmed Yakub from the United Kingdom this morning. Uh, so we have uh, a pretty far reach. So if you need anything, we might be able to help you. Feel free to give us a call. Our Instagram account, <coughs> pot underscore brothers underscore at underscore law on Instagram. We have our Twitter account is uh, at waslaw. And then we're on TikTok, the was 420 and uh, Facebook, Pop Brothers at Law, YouTube, Pop Brothers at Law, and now Twitch, where we're doing live shows every day. What is that? Twitch.tv, Pop Brothers yeah. at Law. That's what it is. Uh, and so we're all over the place. So, uh, you know, and you can check out all of our merchandise. We have our masks and shirts or you know, a popular item I'm surprised is our bedspread with the script on it. People like to wrap <laughs> themselves in the script, P-Ball merch, P-B-A-L merch.com. And you can get some uh, good STFU gear there to make sure you, you're always uh, knowing your rights. Yeah, and shutting the fuck up, right? <laughs> well, And so uh, just to reiterate, you know, you guys, uh, while Mark and Craig can't directly represent you, um, they might be able to indirectly help you. They might be able to refer. Sorry, that's horrible <laughs> word. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Feel free to use it. They'll refer you to a lawyer that's cannabis friendly, and uh, yeah, they'll get you. Uh, they'll get you situated. So, um, Mark, uh, thank you for joining us on the Illinois podcast. I think we're going to be on another Illinois podcast later this week, the Canna Show, which yeah. is interesting. So, I'll see you there. We'll see you over there. Thanks for having us. You guys have a safe and great day. And remember, shut the fuck up when cops ask questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Justine, pull over. <laughs> Come on, pull over. All right, all right. All right, so um, what's going on today? 
kind of smells like weed in your car. Why did you pull me over? You know, you're going a little fast. Again, it's smelling like weed in your car. What's going on? Where are you heading? I'm not discussing my day, officer. Oh, okay. You're not going to you're not going to work with me. What's what's the deal? Am I being detained or am I free to go? <clears throat> yeah, um actually you are. You're being detained. I invoke my 5th amendment. And what do you do next? You shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. So, um it looks like you uh paid attention and somehow um I guess it was because if you guys watched the video, we were s- smoking weed um the whole time. So like I say, yes. check out the video. Um and we're still smoking some weed. Just still got some joints blazing. So, um we keep them yeah. on the deck. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, that was an awesome awesome segment and I spent more time than I thought we would with them. So, yeah, um, thank our you. Longest podcast ever. Yeah, and... so if you're still listening right now, um God bless you. And uh <laughs> Mark, uh you know, it was a pleasure. I'm glad that he could come on and he's he's a really cool guy. Very interesting. Yeah, he's been through life. I liked his uh, response when I asked him if uh, he had ever tried DMT. He just reiterated, dude, I've done everything. (laughs) (laughs) I bet he has. Yes. So, again, um, there's going to be more details on our 710 giveaway uh, later this week. I hope that you guys found value in this podcast. And... um, we're actually going to be having some really exciting stuff coming out. And if you haven't noticed, we've had some exciting stuff already come out. Yeah. Um, let's just go over the lineup. Justine, who do we have on last time? We had on uh, Jack Jack from the, the High Chick Society. She was so much fun. Yeah, and that's another one that's available on our YouTube channel already, actually. And I honestly, that that whole podcast is on the, is you know, that was the Skype call, the whole podcast. So, um definitely check that out because you see her bright blue hair you're gonna yeah she's she's got awesome hair and she's also just like extremely animated um yeah it it really adds to the podcast Uh, before that we had the illinois hemp growers association on if i can speak shout Uh, out to my queen rachel berry yeah, and uh, you know we've actually got an old old friend returning, uh, old friend of the podcast. Actually, um, he came out when we were just starting, and his name is Mike Malcolm, and he's got a few things that he'd like to talk about in the industry. If you haven't heard, I'm not going to spoil um, too much, but I want to plug um, his website just in case you do want to know what he's maybe going to talk about. So it's WeedTravelFood.com. And that'll give you a strong indication as to what we are going to be discussing on the show. I'm very excited for that one, Justine. Yes. I think we're going to go live for that one on our Instagram. So, I hope so. Um, yeah, check that out. And uh, I would, I, I'm planning on maybe doing a video version of that as well. I'm going to make sure Mike's okay with that, though. You know, got to got to make sure the guests are cool with the video. You know, we're be- you know, we're we're always up for it. We're beautiful people. And I'm not saying Mike is not a handsome guy, but you know, you can't just spring video on some people. You know, they people people prefer a heads up, right? Yeah. So I know I do. <clears throat> Working remotely lately, and all of a sudden people are like, "Hey, turn your video on." I'm like, "Oh, I was laying in bed. <laughs> um, give me a second. <laughs> so no, 
I'm joking. I'm not that irresponsible. So um, thanks again for listening, everybody. And um, I again, I hope you found value in this, Justine. Uh, don't forget, it's a community-led effort. So let us know if there's anything you want to hear, anything that you want, like anybody you want us to talk to, just hit us up on the website. Let us know. Yeah, yeah. And look out for our lineup. It's it's crazy exciting. So um, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.